Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for coming here today. Um, this is uh, one of the last of our talks for a little while now, and we're very lucky to have the artist of our excellent exhibition, Curious, and she's here today, Susanna Edwards, to talk about the design and the research and the arts practice behind this exhibition. Um, if you haven't already seen it, I do urge you to go upstairs afterwards and have a little look. And um, we also do have a beautiful exhibition catalogue that is currently available in our shop. Uh, the exhibition will be on display until the 3rd of July, so you do have a little more time if you don't make it today. And I'm going to leave, leave it to Susanna to tell you a bit more about herself and about her work. Thank you. Hello, um, I'd just like to say how delighted I am today to be asked to come and talk um, about the hard work I've put in behind the exhibition called Curious. Um, just to put my work into some kind of context, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I uh, come from a graphic design background. Um, I studied at Central St. Martins uh, just around the corner um, from 93 to 96. Um, and I chose to uh, work within illustration within a graphic design context, um, partly because I was interested in exploring um, uh, narrative and uh, generating uh, the, the, the content of the work that I, that I choose to engage with. Um, so part of my time at Central St. Martins was um, uh, in a period where people were fascinated with new technology, um, so 93 to 96, the Apple Mac uh, computer, everyone was just jumping straight onto it. It was the, the greatest, latest new piece of technology. Um, and in response to that, I decided to engage with the craft, with the ancestries of the, the tools that we use within graphic design today. So a lot of my past practice um, has been around um, the area of letterpress printing, so traditional um, printing using woodblock and lead type, um, silkscreen printing, shooting Super 8 film, um, a lot of things that are, are now more or less redundant within uh, contemporary practice. So, so that gives you a setting for, for my background. Um, also at college, I was really lucky um, to be tutored by uh, a sculptor um, called Richard Wentworth, who is one of um, Britain's most um, sort of established contemporary uh, British sculptors. Um, and he uh, really was a catalyst for me to explore um, my, my dissertation, which had a, a visual result, um, but it was all around the theme of collecting. Um, so, so these little snippets of information should help you um, to understand this, this project. So I've got quite a lot. I'm, I'm struggling with a cold, by the way, so if I break off into coughing, uh, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm going to run through the project um, uh, in sequence, uh, starting off with collecting the microscope slides, which I actually work with in the project. Um, then my links to the Science Museum and a gentleman called Brian Bracegirdle. Then through to making the artwork, then through to a residency at University College London, um, then looking at microscopy experts and enthusiasts, and then finally onto the exhibition and the publication. So this is the, the only bit with an awful lot of text, but this, this sort of summarises the, the project. Um, the project involved residencies at the Science Museum London and University College London. Um, the, the project culminated in a hardback artist book, 
um, and an exhibition at the Hunterian Museum. Um, so a collection of 19th century slides um, were discovered in a charity shop um, and they were photographed through microscopes dating from the late 18th century to the present day. So Curious uses the theme of microscopy as a vehicle to open up a wider debate on the effect of new technologies on craft, art, and science. So the slide collection was found in a second-hand shop, um, probably gathered by an amateur collector, covering much of the natural world in its subject matter. Um, the, it consists of different collections, some made purely for aesthetic reasons and some for scientific and educational purposes. So the images that I created, which I'll go on to show you, form a narrative journey, documenting and utilising each stage of microscopy development. Um, th this is the last sort of phase of the project. I'll talk you through. There were several other outcomes, um, but it was supported by the Arts Council England, uh, the Royal Microscopical Society, and the Science Museum. So, collecting the slides. Back in 1997, um, I used to work and live in um, Crystal Palace. Um, and there was this amazing shop called Bambino. Uh, and I'm very much a, a collector. And Bambino is owned by a, a gentleman that um, collects uh, ephemera, clothing, highly collectible um, uh, sort of antiquities, I suppose. Um, and I went in there with a friend, and uh, she came out with a hostess trolley, and I came out with uh, five boxes of microscope slides. So this is one of the boxes. Um, there are about five boxes in total. Um, some of them were shelved, and you can see them in the exhibitions. They were proper um, uh, microscope slide boxes. But this was just an old um, Havana tobacco cigar box. Um, and inside these boxes, had this, uh, there was this whole uh, sort of layers and layers and layers of narrative to explore. There were letters, there were samples, um, which you can see down here. Um, and the slides were labelled, um, some of them having won prize medals in Paris in 1850. Um, some of them were signed. So I took... Um, these boxes to um, a, a cricket club meeting and, and this is where I originally met Brian Bracegirdle um, and the cricket club were having a, a meeting at the Natural History Museum and it was a talk about diatoms um, and uh, it, I remember it really clearly in that uh, these amazing people would create uh, landscapes and portraits using uh, one hair brush uh, very very slowly um, placing diatoms onto a microscope slide to create a picture so this this really sort of um, you know not coming from a science background this really excited me this crossover between um, sort of art and science um, and I took my slides there and Brian Bracegirdle um, had a look at them and uh, said yep they're, they're interesting um, and, and I arranged to go and, and meet him um, to select some slides to work with and to talk to him a bit more about microscopy because I had no idea um, what, what I was entering into. So, so these are the actual slides that we selected from over 500 slides. Um, purely my main aim was to photograph um, these slides through the microscopes to get, capture as clearly as I could what my eye was seeing through each microscope. Um, so the content of the slides didn't really matter 
um, only in that it had to be of a high enough quality to be able to view um, through the microscope. So we have um, on, the, on the far left, um, this is the earliest um, slide, it's a plant section, so it's an ivory slider slide. Um, and, and Brian actually lent me um, that slide. It wasn't part of the collection, just so that it spanned um, a, a certain period of time. So that was from about 1750. Um, the second slide were of um, scales of sole fish. Um, then there was cat lung, injected cat lung, uh, skin of synapta, um, blood of frog, um, section of human muscle, an insect from an egg from India, um, stem of horsetail, um, and finally a section of a salamander's foot. So these, these slides had a certain um, sort of aesthetic beauty to them, and uh, I was curious to see um, how they would look through different microscopes. So um, I went to visit Brian um, at his home in Cheltenham, um, Brian used to be uh, chief curator at the Science Museum, and he catalogued every single microscope at the Science Museum. So um, he, he was my man for, for the knowledge. Um, and he was very generous in sharing his knowledge, which was something that I was slightly nervous about, um, you know, coming into uh, a new, new foreign uh, sort of area. Um, so, so I took my slides there, and we selected the slides, and we went through the Science Museum's um, catalogue and we picked out key microscopes that showed the development of, of microscopy. So I, at this time I'd secured funding from the Arts Council and I was teaching uh, on an illustration course at Farnham um, and I managed to get a paid sabbatical, which was fantastic. I'm sure it will never happen again. But, um, uh, and for six months, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to work in Blythe House, which is the Science Museum stores. Um, and I had a little dark room that I worked in, um, and I got to handle these amazing microscopes. So the process of, of selecting the microscopes was quite difficult because we had to show that they um, travelled evenly sort of throughout time, but they also had to work. So we had to basically get the conservation to get the microscopes out of storage and test to see if they'd work. And then I had to have uh, a full induction into how to handle um, old objects. So the microscopes that were chosen, finally, were the Culpepper, which was the earliest microscope, which dates back to 1720. So I'm terribly um, fond of these microscopes now. I want to take them home after the exhibition. Um, the Cuff microscope, the drum-type microscope from about 1825. The um, Pilisher microscope. Crouch. The Royal Microscope by Watson. The Binocular Microscope by Reichardt. and uh, Nikon, and finally an axioscope. So what I wanted to achieve 
um, was to work with these microscopes and, as I said, to capture as closely as I could what my eye was seeing through each of the microscopes. Um, why? Um, because I wanted to try and capture some kind of truth uh, behind the images that I was seeing. Um, many people uh, saw the images that I took and said, oh, if you digitally manipulated them, if you changed the colour here, if you, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, that wasn't where I was coming from. So I had to discover a way of photographing um, through each of these microscopes. Um, obviously, they date from different periods. Um, a lot of them are, are predate um, photography. So traditionally, post the birth of photography, um, as I'm sure that, that some of the audience would know, um, you get a camera that dates to the period of the microscope with a special attachment. Um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to use one digital camera throughout to capture all of my images to create consistency. So I went on the internet and found um, a, a very nice guy called Stephen Durr who works um, at UCL in the, um, um, uh, he, he, in the neuropathology department. <laughs> Um, and he loves microscopes, and he loves taking photos through microscopes. So we got an email contact, and he um, advised me, uh, along with Brian, about, about how to achieve this. So essentially, what I've got here is the camera, which is attached onto what's called a copy stand, so that the camera can shoot directly down. Um, and what I actually did was took the lens off of the camera... And I got these perspex discs cut with the exact circumference of each eyepiece um, out of black perspex. So as soon as you take the lens off the camera, all the light goes into the camera. What I wanted to do was to block out the light apart from the light that was coming up through the microscope. So it was very fiddly. Um, and as you can see uh, here, I'm placing the perspex disc, I'm sandwiching it in between the eyepiece and the camera. So essentially, the lenses of each microscope become the lenses of the camera. So I'm extending my camera into the microscope. Um, it took absolutely ages to, to do this, and I had nine microscopes and nine slides to photograph. Um, obviously, as I said, I'm not a professional... Uh, um, uh, science photographer, um, although I've engaged with photography a lot within my own practice, this was something completely new to me. Um, also, working the microscopes, I had a very um, brief sort of induction, um, but I think even the people at the Science Museum didn't really know um, wholly how to, how to work them. So it was a very much a process of, of trial and error. Um, Seeing as this project has its roots in um, craft, instead of fo just purely photographically documenting the project, I wanted to bring an illustrator on board to document the project, as a traditional illustrator may have done um, you know, pre-photography. So um, there's a, a, a guy that I work with, uh, teach with at Central St. Martin's called Sean Apt-Thomas, um, and he's actually known for coming to the Hunterian to bring lots of students here to, to draw. Um, but he came along and he documented the process of, of me um, producing the work. Um, and those illustrations were used in the catalogue. 
So, so this is an example of some of the images that I was capturing. Um, this is the scale of soul slides. Um, a sequence, the scale of soul, the insect from the egg, the salamander foot and the stem of horsetail, the human muscle and the skin of synapta. Um, and this was, uh, I think this was taken through the culpepper of the stem of horsetail. So in the catalogue and in the exhibition, you start to get a sense of um, uh, sequential uh, imagery. Um, so what I did in the catalogue, and this is actually the layouts from the catalogue, is I chose two of the slides, the insect from the egg and the um, scale of soul, and I illustrated how each slide looked through each of the microscopes in sequence. So just to get a sense. And obviously you can see them at a much better quality upstairs. Obviously I had some issues with magnification and trying to get things consistent. Um, but to be honest, I was working with what I had um, and to the best of my ability. So um, possibly if I'd have spent five years in that dark room, I could uh, perfect these images even further. <clears throat> And somehow the, the, the sort of aesthetic quality of these images becomes almost otherworldly. Um, and this project sort of captures um, the delight, I suppose, that um, you know, uh, early explorers and adventurers and collectors would have found through discovering uh, and exploring the real world that they live in. And that's something that I'm very interested in uh, bringing into contemporary arts and design practice. Um, which I believe sometimes can be a little bit uh, digitally led and flat and devoid of uh, substance. So, you know, some of the image qualities are really poor, um, and that was through um, due to the deterioration of, of some of the microscopes. Um, but actually, I, I like that. It's, it's truthful to the tool that I was using. So also in the exhibition, you can get a sense of um, uh, sort of sequential narrative again, where I have these panels um, where each of the micros microscope is shown on the left, and then each of the nine slides in sequence is shown to the right, and they're, they're on one long wall. So you can really start to compare these images. I think one of the greatest um, uh, sort of plus points of this project or something that I've gained from it is, is actually getting these microscopes out of a storeroom and back into the public display. And perhaps um, I'm interested in the idea of um, raising awareness of um, lost craft or skills, skills that aren't maybe passed down. Um, and people like the Royal Microscopical Society were... were and, and the Quekit were wonderful in, in accepting me uh, and, and what I wanted to do in terms of uh, furthering uh, interest in, in, in the area. So um, Sean Aptomos um, 
uh, I also asked him to produce a series of illustrations um, in a very similar way to the way that I was taking the photographs through each microscope. Um, he brought in lots of different drawing materials, lots of different types of paper, watercolours, pencils, pens, um, and I asked him to respond just to one of the slides, which again was the scale of soul, um, and to draw what his eye was seeing through each microscope. The idea wasn't to produce scientifically exact imagery. It, it again was a, was a response to what his eye was seeing at the time. Okay, so I wanted to extend my research um, to the latest um, microscope technology. Um, so I approached University College through Stephen Durr, um, and uh, they very kindly allowed me to work in the neuropathology department with their scanning electron microscope. So inside the box of slides, as I said at the beginning, there were samples, and these samples had been collected uh, around 1850. Um, they were, they were labelled, um, uh, there was a, a spine of starfish, a hoverfly, um, and, and, and various sort of little insects and things in, in test tubes. So I went to UCL and I said, okay, what do you have to do to prepare um, a, a specimen to go through a scanning electron microscope? It's all highly exciting. Um, so you get these uh, metal discs um, and a sticky pad, and you have to very, very carefully put your, place your specimen on top of the sticky pad. And in the electron microscopy room, um, there's this chamber that you lock your um, specimen into and it coats it with a fine layer of gold, which I found highly exciting, but unfortunately you can't see the gold. Um, it's just a purple, um, let's go back, it's, it, this sort of lights up in a, it with a purple haze and it just very, very delicately coats the specimen with gold. And the gold repels the electrons. Um, I hope nobody asked me in too, too much detail about this process. Um, and then you can get a three-dimensional scan of your object. Um, so this, even though it looks... It, it, I mean, it is quite old, this piece of equipment. I think it's mid-90s. Um, but it's still in use. Um, and it, it still is in use within um, sort of cutting-edge uh, scientific exploration. So this lovely woman, Kerry, just sits in the basement all day working this machine, um, and she's fantastic. And, and, and the people that I met through doing this project were amazing. I mean, she was doing um, a, a, a write, creative writing course, and she was so excited about the slides and the, and the potential stories of the people that had, had collected them. So um, through the scanning electron microscope, I um, put the spine of starfish, cuttlebone, hoverfly, and a scarab beetle. Um, and again, don't forget these specimens are, you know, over 100 years old. Um, so, you know, they're not, uh, they've deteriorated. But um, how amazing. 
and, and the magnification that you can get with scanning electron microscopy was, was just out of this world. So once again, Sean illustrated this process as well. So then um, I extended my journey um, to meet some key people in, in the area of microscopy. Um, and I phoned up the, um, uh, the, the Royal Microscopical Society and the Quackett Club and said, look, who is good at making microscope slides? Because I want to know how to make a microscope slide. Um, and they immediately pointed me in the direction of, of Dennis Fullwood, who's here today, and Ernie Ives. Um, so I went to visit um, uh, Dennis, who repairs the um, uh, slides at the Natural History Museum. So damaged um, old slides are very carefully remounted um, as new slides. Um, so it's a preservation of their collection. Um, amazing skill. I mean, for me, this is one of the key areas of this project that I enjoyed exploring was, was the, the, the sort of haptic, hands-on skills that, that I feel are, are sometimes uh, sort of lost within contemporary arts and science practice. So I had a go and, um, uh, and uh, tried my best to pick up um, a specimen just by looking through the microscope um, and, and remounting these slides. And, you know, it's not just the specimen, it's the labels. Um, so it's, it's a very, very, very um, fiddly job. Um, and in the catalogue, you can see um, a sequence of images that, that go through the process of um, remounting these slides. And also, I was lucky enough to enter into the storerooms of you know, the Natural History Museum and the Science Museum, which is just so exciting on its own. There's, you can't really see it very well here, but just rows and rows and rows and rows of cases of slides. So, so. And this is Ernie Ives, who is an expert in uh, wood. Um, he, he actually, his passion isn't microscopy, it's wood. Um, but he became um, well-known because he's catalogued different types of wood um, using microscope slides. So um, Ernie has won lots and lots of competitions when it comes to making slides, and uh, he very kindly invited me to Ipswich, where he lives, um, and gave me a sort of Blue Peter-style uh, demonstration of how to make a microscope slide, which actually takes about a month, but um, he condensed it into one day for me. Um, and again, you know, just getting um, insects and having to remove uh, all of the contents from the insects so that you're just left with an exoskeleton to, to mount was um, smelly stuff. Uh, there wasn't much ventilation in his flat. It was all very, uh, very old school, but, um, but it was amazing. Uh, and that's one of his slides. Um, the, thing about, the thing about Ernie that I found really interesting was that it was the passion. He used to be a, uh, work as a boat builder um, and work on boats, and, and his, him and his brother are obsessed with wood. His, his brother carves wood, and he just slices it and makes microscope slides. But it's this obsession um, uh, and, and enthusiasm that, that I found so fascinating. 
So, um, to move on to the exhibition and publication, um, all of this work um, took about 12 years <laughs> to kind of do because I was applying for funding, I was doing it on the side of teaching and, and my own graphic design uh, practice. Um, so this was a very, very long project. Um, the Science Museum originally were going to exhibit it um, and then I started to sort of feel that I wouldn't have curatorial control of the end product. Um, and I came here to visit Simon uh, Chaplin, who um, was uh, here before Bryony. Um, and he said, yes, you know, we, we, we like it. We'll house it as an exhibition. So I was delighted um, that I had um, such a great place to exhibit it that's a little bit different, a little bit away from uh, where you might expect such an exhibition to be. Um, just before... Um, uh, meeting Simon, I got a phone call from the Royal Society and they asked me to exhibit um, Curious in progress, because it wasn't a finished project then, um, at last year's um, summer show. Um, I don't know if, if anyone's been to the Royal Society's summer show, um, but it's, it's an amazing experience. I recommend that you go. It's um, scientists have different pitches and they sell science to you. So they're, they're basically... Um, very, very um, uh, energetic, want to, want to tell you about their latest developments in, in, in scientific um, exploration. So I was really lucky. I was the only artist to be invited to ex exhibit. They only have one a year. Um, and I had a great big sort of central room, um, and I put uh, all of the scale of, of Seoul um, slides in there. So that was its first outing. That's my dad, anyway. <laughs> um, and then th this is quite a nice piece um, sort of written by um, Simon, which I'll, I'll just read through for you. Um, Susanna's project began with a chance find of Victorian microscope slides um, among a, a miscellany of objects in a second-hand shop. Her discovery led her on a journey of exploration using original microscopes from the Science Museum's collection to view the slides working with an electron microscopist and enlisting the aid of experts such as Dennis Fullwood and Ernie Ives, whose work combines craft and science. It is fitting that her work has ended up at the Hunterian Museum amid a collection that is both a monument to medical science and a spectacular exposition of the power of direct observation. Since 1800, our understanding of health and disease has been predicated on the observation of processes and objects tissues, cells, bacteria, viruses, molecules that exist beyond the range of the human eye. By highlighting the craft involved in visualising the microcosm, Susanna's work encourages us to question a technology that we all take for granted. I thought that was a rather nice summary by Simon. Um, so if you haven't been up to the exhibition. This is just um, a little uh, layout of one of the walls um, where on a larger scale you can see just two of the slides uh, in sequence. And again, as I described before, the sequences of slides taken through the different microscopes. Um, and here are some pictures from the exhibition. So I've been very lucky. It's been up for uh, nearly six months. There's been lots of visitors, lots of really good feedback that I didn't expect from, um, from audiences that maybe I wouldn't have reached with my work um, before. 
Lots of, lots of um, funny um, notes in the notebook from school kids. Some of them nice, some of them a bit weird. Um, and of course, you know, the Science Museum, it, it's quite an effort to get objects on loan uh, en masse for an exhibition. And uh, the Hunterian have worked very hard with the Science Museum to get the original microscopes in the display, which just makes uh, the exhibition complete. So the book, I'll just talk a very little bit about the book um, from a graphic design perspective, um, if, you're, if, if you're interested. But um, for me, um, uh, the arts practice and the design and the content, it all had to fit together and have a, a very clear um, visual language. Um, so the, I decided to go with a hardback catalogue um, simply because... I, I feel that it was, it was such a lot of work. I didn't want to create something that was too disposable. Um, so the, the content's divided into a, um, a long central section of full bleed colour images um, on, on glossy paper, and then two sections of essays, um, which are in a spot silvery grey colour on an uncoated stock. Um, I wanted to try and separate um, the project into a diary of the project, the actual artwork, and then essays. So you can, you can see that division quite clearly. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, we, I, I chose the traditional typeface Caslon. Um, typography is a, a, a real love of mine. I'm going for microscopy typography. Um, but <coughs> for me, I wanted to um, generate an aesthetic that combined old and new um, within the design process. So we, ch we chose um, Caslon, uh, which was to hark back to um, the microscopy's sort of 18th century roots, balanced with a modern uh, monospace font to, to avoid pastiche. So um, also you'll notice in the book that the headlines um, shrink into the body text, so they kind of go like that, um, which again is a, a sort of su subtle nod to the idea of magnification. Um, so, you know, the focus on designing um, the layout for the exhibition was on large-scale imagery supported by a shorter version of the project diary and ten original, uh, sorry, nine original microscopes from the Science Museum's collection. Um, we had really great press, um, thanks to the um, press department in here. Um, I was picture of the day... Uh, on New Scientist's uh, homepage um, for, I think, about three... Was it just a day? I don't know. It seemed to be... Uh, I think it got over sort of 500,000 hits or something ridiculous, which is great. Um, and then they approached me again, and they have um, a blog, um, which is really good, on the, on the um, New Scientist's uh, website called Culture Lab, where they do different interviews and it's, it's very much about um, sort of contemporary science. Um, so I had a, a nice interview on there, which got a lot of hits. Um, and it was in Time Out magazine and Graphic magazine um, and, and mentioned on lots of different um, uh, websites. So lots of good press. And uh, that's, that's the end of the talk. Is there any questions? Did I whiz through that? Obviously, there's a lot more in those boxes that you haven't. Yeah. And you tend to carry on, or are you going to do them for a bit 
I think, I think that we, to be honest, there was a lot of um, slides that were no good in, in the, 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 the project could go further and I found it really hard in the middle of the project to focus it down because I was very interested in exploring the idea of um, uh, the, the collector, the explorer, the content of the slides, but actually there was something else going on which was about um, craft and technology. So I had to choose one of those routes, otherwise it got too big. But I think if I did take this project on, it would extend into some other <coughs> kind of optical exploration, whether it be linked to you know, telescopes or, um, <laughs> or photography, or I'm, I'm sure there's a way of extending this, um, but not, not, not using the slides. I, I didn't um, really, I, I didn't really measure. I did a, a lot. The earlier microscopes where I had to use external light sources, I was doing everything by eye. So I didn't. Oh, sorry. Okay, early on it wasn't because I would have had to have used daylight or candlelight or um, I had to use um, a cheap, well, I had to use an external light source, which I guess is from the 70s, I suppose. So the earlier microscopes were lit using that purely because I could, I could have, I, 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 I could have measured everything um, um, exactly and maybe try to use a camera from that period and try to set it up in a room from, you know, from that, and, and it, 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 I really had to try and think about a way of getting consistent images. So it's not true, true truth <laughs> in terms of exactly how it would have been used, uh, the earlier microscopes. But uh, I don't think they'd let me bring like loads of candles into Blythe House. And <laughs> Uh huh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I got. I. I. I must have in that room been had some of the similar feelings of someone that had gone out and collected something, made a slide, and then suddenly see it sort of come to life it's just like magic really but I think that the links I don't know um, too much about um, contemporary science but I do believe that in education and uh, a lot of people are throwing away the, the, the old way of doing things and the craft solely putting uh, emphasis on, on the new and you lose a lot of knowledge and you lose a lot of um, quality when you do that, I'm, I'm not a Luddite in any way, but I kind of, I, I, I see that there's a relevance in understanding these processes. When you went to UCL, I mean, you are the alumni. Yeah. Is, is the energy preparation into the brain there? Now it's actually the brain uh, demonstrating here and then you can put it in 
possibly, I just went into the basement, <laughs> into the scanning electron department. It's, I mean, it's a working, it, it's, um, it's just on Queen Square, at, at, um, and there's a more... There's a, a morgue down the bottom, and then there's a room where they bring samples, and that's as much as I know. Which I didn't visit, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Temporary art. <laughs> Granted, these are very aesthetically beautiful images, and you can take them slice and you have a movie blade of them, and you can be drift to them. Mm. I mean, first of all, I'm coming at this from... I'm in a weird place between art and design, so definitely the technology was driving this project. Um, the only way that I can answer that is when I brought Richard Wentworth, because I think I'm confused about where my work sits. When I brought Richard Wentworth to look around the show, he said this... He said something like, this is... This is where contemporary art should be because there's a social there's always a social element to my work that that interacts and re represents past um, past practice um, also meeting going out and meeting all of these people and um, using that knowledge to to put into finished artworks I think I think I think looking at contemporary art is is quite subjective any, anyway, and that's a really difficult answer uh, question to answer. Um, but I believe that as they stand alone as artworks, that they inform people um, uh, about an evolution of technology, and I find that that valid within a contemporary art practice. need um, Sean here for that because um, my aim um, with the drawing side of the project was first of all just purely documentation um, but then it turned into um, uh, something else when I asked him to illustrate the, the, the slides. Um, we, we talked a lot about the idea of um, trying to either react spontaneously or to try and pr uh, produce scientifically exact illustration so I mean Sean did his own research into um, the history of sort of scientific illust illustrations but I don't there isn't a comment really uh, within this project um, only in that uh, it was a very contemporary response uh, rather than a scientifically exact uh, illustrative process. Uh, 
so that might so that sort of make sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Particularly going back to the, your question about light source as well. You know, I mean, incredible the, the complex drawings that have been produced through microscopes with very little light, very poor conditions. So. Sorry. Yes. They were a collection of different collections. So no, I have no idea. Well, they. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, when I was putting the samples through the scanning electron microscope, I just had all these sort of strange sort of visions of if that person could see me now, <laughs> what would they think? Um, but I think it's, I mean, I'm not claiming um, to be an expert in any way in terms of microscopy or, 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 or science, but I'm just so pleased that I've had the opportunity to work with such amazing objects and to try and um, uh, produce some sort of debate about the relevance of these, these skills today. I mean, the, the slide collection did stay under my bed for about five years. <laughs> and I'd, uh, I'd get it out and my friends come around and go, oh, look, look what I've got. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I was, well, I was very nervous. Well, I was very nervous because I'm sort of a, you know, I guess a... a younger, enthusiastic artist going into a science world. I think a lot of people could be like, what does she, what's she doing? What does she know? So, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been a great experience. It's quite interesting as well. I mean, I know um, about sort of education from an arts perspective, but, um, you know, even the, the trends, it seems that people are looking back now more. They, they want something more than just a digital kind of education. And even trends in illustration, um, people didn't, people stopped drawing in illustration. They got rid of drawing, life drawing, and, and now it seems to be sort of, you know, we, we need it. <laughs> so, so I'm very pleased that somehow this can in infuse people to looking back in order to look forward. And, and students want it. It's really interesting. You know, there's a generation of people that have been brought up with the television and computer games, and they kind of want that that uh, that that sort of haptic engagement with the with the real world and actually looking at things. I think. Yeah. 
So maybe this is more of a reaction, um, this project, to, to the world that, that I'm living in. Mm. And also just meeting people in their workplace, like Kerry at UCL. She loves her scanning electron microscope. She loves her job, you know, and, 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 and just to see people in their own um, sort of working situations working with these tools. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, well, thank you very well. Thank you to Susanna for today's talk. Um, if we could just show our appreciation in the normal fashion. I'm sure she'll be happy to stay around for a few more minutes, just if anyone has anything else they'd like to ask her. Um, I'm quite interested in all these questions that were given about the ideas of illustration and things like that. I'd just like to say that in October, as part of the Big Draw, which is quite a large-scale uh, national UK event uh, to encourage people back to basics with their drawing. We are hoping to get together with the Medical Artists Association and actually have um, um, encourage people to come in and actually learn the art of medical, uh, medical what the medical artists do because very much this tradition of hand-drawn illustration is still alive and kicking within medical art. Um, so do look out in future brochures for that event. Our next series of talks will be starting in September uh, and will run until December. And the theme of our lunchtime lectures will be on the, un the unsung heroes, some of the, m the less well-known heroes of medicine and surgery. Uh, we're also even featuring a body snatcher as one of them, as not a lot of people can realize quite how important the body snatchers were to the medical trade, but they were. So um, thank you again to Suzanne, and thank you everyone for coming here today. And do take the chance to look at the exhibition if you haven't seen it already. Thank you.